Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello, and welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Margaret Gardner, your host for today's discussion on transforming fundraising. Our guest today is fundraising strategist and mentor, Tammy Zonker. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you, Margaret. I am so delighted to be here. No, we feel the same way. Thank you for taking the time. Tammy has been recognized as one of America's top 20 fundraising experts. She is an inspiring international speaker on the topic of transformational philanthropy and an AFP certified master trainer. And over the past 20 years, she's trained, coached, and led nonprofit teams to raise more than a half a billion dollars, including a single gift of $27.1 million. When she's not speaking at conferences or fundraising, she's training her online membership community of fundraising transformers, or she's leading masterclasses, training intensives, and private workshops and retreats. So Tammy, thanks again for joining us today. And we really are excited to have you here on the Beacon Podcast. Oh, thank you. So let's talk about transforming fundraising. I I know a lot of our listeners must be thinking that sounds equal parts exciting and terrifying. So (laughs) can can you start by explaining what transformational fundraising is, what fundraising that needs transforming looks like, and and how an organization would know when it's time to make a change. Yeah, absolutely. So fundraising in need of transformation can show up in a variety of ways. Sometimes an organization is overly dependent on a particular source of contributions. Maybe they're too event-heavy or too grant dependent, or overly dependent, maybe even on a fee-for-service, like Medicaid reimbursement models, or membership or patron subscriptions, you know, things like that. Or maybe if they feel like they're living on that proverbial treadmill, that annual hand-to-mouth existence, or maybe just fundraising revenue is stuck. You know, you've been around the same level for a few years, or even worse, it's begun decreasing. If you identify with any of those scenarios, your fundraising is probably in need of some transformation. And I get it. I mean, Margaret, you know, prior to focusing full-time in my training company, Fundraising Transformed, I served as chief philanthropy officer at the Children's Center in Detroit. And we were stuck in all three of those scenarios that I described. But the good news is we got unstuck. We were able to transform our fundraising by really getting clarity on what was working, what wasn't working, and what was missing. And so by doing that, we were able to triple fundraising in the first three years, and we doubled again by the time I resigned in early 2021. And Margaret, I don't know if you remember, but you were the editor of Fundraising Success Magazine when the Children's Center received your annual gold award as Fundraising Campaign of the Year. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that was the, was that the campaign with the, that was mailed with the little tiny beanie? It had coasters. That was the, like, okay. the, and pop-up activities, you know, pop-up events to complement the multi-channel, the direct mail and the email and the social. Um, that was called the Heal Children, Heal Detroit campaign. Yes, I remember that. Yes. And it was very, very impactful. I I remember, you know, we looked at the results. We looked at everything that sort of went into those packages that were submitted. And and it really was the top. It took the top place because it was just such a stellar 
campaign. So yeah, I do remember that. Let's talk about, before we talk about what the process of change might look like, can you say perhaps what is the biggest change that you think nonprofits in general need to focus on right now in terms of fundraising before we talk about like a specific strategy for change? Sure. Well, I think, you know, similar to for-profit for businesses, I think we need to get clarity on our priorities and then align our fundraising strategy and performance measurement around those priorities. You know, especially as we approach what's predicted to be an increasingly difficult economy. So look at our data and ask ourselves what fundraising strategies or initiatives will have the greatest impact and how can we summon the discipline to stay on strategy? I feel like so often our attention and our precious time is focused on the urgent at the cost of what's most important, like event deadlines. I mean, not that I'm anti-events. I just hope and wish for everyone who might be listening that you have one event or two events, not six. Or sometimes we get distracted by well-meaning ideas from board members or volunteers or even donors, but those well-meaning ideas have a low return on investment. And we somehow want to accommodate them and focus our time on those because we value the relationship, even knowing the ROI will be kind of lackluster. So lack of clarity and discipline, I think, often costs us major gift success because major gift work is important, but not always urgent. And it can also cost us staff turnover because we just churn through and we burn out people chasing every opportunity that comes, you know, across our paths. So I guess lack of clarity and discipline is why we never really launched that legacy giving program or haven't touched our case for support since 1999 or why the average tenure of a fundraising professional is like 18 to 24 months here in the U.S., Yeah. And I know that you hit on a point that I've actually heard a few people talking about just recently and and that it's difficult to say no to something that, you know, perhaps comes from an important stakeholder or something that seems like a great idea. It's hard to say no, but it's important to be able to step back and say, you know, is this worth steering off course when it comes to our plan? So when you talk about discipline to stick to the strategy and stick to the program like that that's really important and i know that it's something that is top of mind for a lot of nonprofit organizations and yeah. not easy to do yeah it is difficult but it's absolutely necessary right so now talk about you know we have a nonprofit say that that has listened to what you had to say and said oh boy that is really us we're stuck in all those places can you talk about the what the process of change looks like yeah i, I can and first i want to kind of distinguish the difference between change and transformation so you know change is a shift and it can move us forward change is a good thing but it isn't necessarily permanent but with with transformation there's no going back and i always liken it to you know, the the butterfly, like the butterfly can never be a caterpillar again once that is transformed. So I'd love to share an analogy. Margaret, I don't know if you realize from, you know, Instagram or whatever social media du jour, but I'm a gardener, mostly flowers. And uh, in the summer of 2020, I, at the start of the pandemic, I created a butterfly garden. I even got it certified through the North American Butterfly Association. Did you know there was one? <laughs> No. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's like, as my kids say, mom, you are so extra. (laughs) (laughs) So that summer, you know, I ordered the butterfly larva and I started raising monarch butterflies. And if you remember the transformation process of a larva becoming a butterfly in that you learned in your third grade science class, you know, first of all, you have to have and create the right conditions. Temperature needs to be around 72 degrees. You need milkweed for sustenance. You have to protect those larvae from predators like birds. And in that environment, those tiny little larvae grow 3,000 times their birth size in about two weeks, and they become these big caterpillars. And then they spin themselves into kind of a silk pod, positioning themselves as a hanging jay, as they call it. And that's the beginning of them becoming a chrysalis. And inside the chrysalis is where the transformation really happens. The caterpillar breaks itself down into these, what they call imaginal cells, kind of like stem cells. And it's a really aggressive process. You can watch as that, that caterpillar that chrysalis transforms its body. Its body chemicals are are literally destroying its former self as it literally recreates into a butterfly. I mean, if you've seen it, it vibrates rather violently at some point. I mean, it's super freaky. But And then after about 10 days, you can see those iconic orange and black wings as its pod turns translucent. And it's important to note that in nature, not every chrysalis makes it. So those that do make it through that transformational process break out and emerge as this beautiful butterfly. So I promise there's a point here. So transforming your fundraising is very similar to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly first. And so here's where the process starts. First, you have to create the right conditions. In this case, getting clarity on what success looks like and what you have to work with. Creating a strategy that's data-informed, donor-centric, mission-focused, having discipline, and finding or training the right people, like highly skilled people with the right core values, and investing resources. Actually, you know, making an investment in philanthropy resources. And then, of course, you want executive and board support. Next, you have to cultivate, nurture, and protect your people. Protect them from distractions, from scarcity mindset, from fear, whether that's fear inspired by the economy or just business conditions or what's going on inside your community. Next, you have to have a mindset like you have to expect this will not be easy. Transformation is work and not everyone will make it through the process. Right. But don't get discouraged like transformational fundraising really next level fundraising. It's not for everyone. And then you just have to commit to celebrating every single stage in the process. Because if you wait to celebrate until the end, you've, you know, you haven't nurtured the spirit of your team and you haven't celebrated those micro successes. And of course, success begets success. And then lastly, you just have to expect to repeat the process again each and every year. It is an iterative process. There's no As one of my good friends, former executive directors used to say, can't we just go into maintenance mode for on our fundraising? And the answer is no. (laughs) That's wishful thinking. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There is no maintenance mode. So that 
is how you transform your fundraising. What a great analogy. That's just, it couldn't be any more perfect, could it? (laughs) It's true. It's true. Tammy, what, what do you think holds organizations back? Well, I think mostly it's fear. It's fear that we won't be successful. It's fear that we'll invest in in philanthropy and resources, whether it's through tools or additional staff, and that there won't be a return on them, that investment, right? So fear that we'll look bad in front of the board if we invest in fundraising and, we, and fundraising doesn't increase and increase right away. And I think it's that scarcity mindset. It's some oftentimes, sadly, that starvation cycle that we're just this little nonprofit doing good work with on a shoestring. And that's true. You might be a small nonprofit doing good work on a shoestring, but you could be a great nonprofit if you chose to invest in your fundraising strategies and tools. Like it's the whole Jim Collins, good to great conversation. And I think that all of that starts with belief, belief that it's actually possible for your organization to raise more money. And, and I will be the first to confess when I came into the Children's Center in, I think it was 2012, as chief philanthropy officer, and I looked at the data and I did projections and I created an, you know, an invest, like here's our strategy, but we'll need investment. We're going to need some additional positions. We're going to need to upgrade some of our systems. And my promise is that we will triple fundraising results in three years. You know, at the board meeting, (laughs) I had some board members, like their head came up and they were looking over those reader glasses or some of them were like nodding, like, yes, yes, yes. And some of them were thinking and, and like the look on their face was, is she crazy? Right. But it really, if you work on the data, you look at the data, you look at the best practices and emerging practices, and you create a thoughtful plan, which includes creating a stop doing list because you have to like clear the decks for some of this transformational work. If you do that work, you can actually project some pretty inspiring results, whether it's increase in revenue or increase in donor retention, which of course leads to more revenue. I think it's belief is one of the biggest barriers too. I think that that's a, a really good point. And that's another thing that I hear nonprofits or nonprofit leadership talking about is, is that whole scarcity mindset and, and how limiting it can be and how important it is to, to use your word, transform from that. So I, I think that you've given our listeners a whole lot to think about. And I, I think it appreciate how inspiring this has been. And I'm, and I'm sure that our listeners will agree because the whole idea of transforming um, and into that beautiful butterfly is just really wonderful. Um, Tammy, I really appreciate you being here with us. We're coming to the end of our time. So is there anything you'd like to add in closing? You know, I think that one of the drivers of new thinking, of creating new beliefs and really creating, in our case, transformational fundraising or transformational philanthropy, one of the key drivers of that, I believe, is always necessity. And so for those of you who have taken some big hits through this pandemic, those of your listeners who whose endowment or investment funds have taken a big hit and you're worried about the bottom line, or those of you who are hearing about the predicted recession that could be coming, the inflation impact that we're all experiencing now, 
just know that this could be for you, your perfect environment. This could be, you could look at it as the catalyst for we've got no other choice than to transform. Because sometimes, well, Jim Collins said it great. The first line in his book, Good to Great, good is the enemy of great. Wow, that really gives, I think that'll give folks a lot to think about. But Tammy, thank you so much for being here with us. For our listeners, you can follow Tammy on LinkedIn and check out her website at fundraisingtransformed.com. Again, I'm Margaret Gardner, and thank you again for joining us and hope to see you next time on The Beacon Podcast. Thanks, Margaret. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcast and guest at lighthousecouncil.com.